Hello, and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. It's a twosome this week. It's me, Tom, and I'm with Chris. Again, another twosome. We're just swapping in and out at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we've had more absence during this time of period of timeness than we ever did when COVID was an actual global pandemic. Yeah. Then again, we were all locked in our houses, weren't we? So it was a bit more difficult to go out and catch it. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so sorry to say Stu's not very well. Hopefully it will be better with enough time to enjoy the Silverstone weekend. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to at least talk about it, debate it, and do some predictions, among many other things, as we always do. Uh, but first, we do have some news. There's a few little bits and pieces since last race. Um, a lot of it French, as <laughs> you will find out soon. Um, Actually, yeah, so yeah, I didn't we'll, realise we'll that. <laughs> yeah, through that. Um, I'll let Chris do that bit, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on to Silverstone from there. Yep, a couple of little newsy bits. Um, first one, it was basically already as good as confirmed in Canada, but it's now official that Gasly's going to remain an AlphaTauri driver for another season. Um, he was already due to become the longest-serving driver at Toro Rosso slash AlphaTauri later this year. He's going to overtake Daniel Kvyat's total of 89 starts. So quite a few seasons he's been there. Um Interesting for drivers to stay that long at what is the junior team, you know, the, the team mm. that's supposed to be building this generation of Red Bull drivers. But uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, it, it seems to me like stay there for another year until some more interesting seats open up for the following yeah. season. I'm, I'm sad my 2023 shake up with Gasly moving me didn't too. pan out. Very sad. Um, so, I mean, happy for Gasly to still be on the grid, obviously. Happy for yep. him to be, you know, at least staying with a team that he, he clearly does enjoy being part of to some degree. But it, there's always like that sort of, there's a glass ceiling, isn't there, when you're an Alpha Tower driver in the in that program. Like, yeah. while ever those seats are so securely set at the parent team of, the Red Bulls, then you're never going to get any further. So, like, I can understand that he enjoys being part of the team and probably feels quite connected to a lot of the team that he's now known a long time. But he's, I mean, they're all ambitious, but, like, Gasly feels particularly so. So I think maybe just seeing it out for another year and keeping himself on the market and trying to find other offers is probably the best thing for him, I guess, if there's nothing. Because his agent will talk to people and... If there's nothing there, oh, there's nothing sure. there, is there? It's not worth cutting uh, off your nose to spite your face, so... No. And, I mean, Red Bull have, has good have said, like, he's not going back to Red Bull. Like, you know, he, they, yeah. they don't see him as a as going back there as a future driver. So, yeah, he's he is just biding his time. But like you say, at least he's still going to be on the grid. They're not just turfing him out to bring up a new youngster, so... Yeah. I think they need yeah. to whilst Sonoda's in that team, to be honest. I think he's exactly, he's, yeah. he's a good choice for Alpha Tower as a team, I think, to um, to keep him on board whilst Sonoda's still progressing and, mm-hmm. and then see what obviously they want to do there as well. Yeah, and Sonoda remains unconfirmed for next year as well. So um, 
Mm. I guess while there's uncertainty as well, just a bit of stability is good for them. Yeah. Um, next on the list, the French Grand Prix. So there's a lot of talk circulating at the moment that this year's race will potentially be the last at Port Ricard. Their current contract for the race there ends this season and there's no real sign of a new one yet. There is some talk of the organisers trying to get together a sort of alternating deal that involves one or two other European circuits and they would take it in turns on a yearly basis, which is something I know we've talked about in the past, um, mm. you know, with circuits like, you know, I know Spa is always a question mark over. Um, obviously, there's a question mark over Monaco these days as well, and there's no German Grand Prix, you know, that'd be a way to get these races sort of on the calendar, at least on an alternating basis. Um, Stefano de Benicali also said in an interview recently that the city of Nice has expressed interest in holding a race, um, which is particularly interesting because Nice is about 10 miles down the coast from Monaco. So if nothing else, that presents an interesting um, bargaining chip for F1 in their Monaco negotiations. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting to sort of see some of that alternation we've we've talked about it before like i mean i used to i know it was probably for monetary reasons for for each circuit individually but i kind of used to like when the german grand prix used to alternate between hockenheim and um, yeah um the other one <laughs> why am i blanking on that no that ring thank you um yeah so <laughs> it used to but it used to alternate and i used to kind of like that the fact that you got a little bit of variety like you always had a german grand prix it's a and it, I mean, it's a big country, so like I can't remember exactly how far, but partly are like one's Hockenheim, sort of southwestish, maybe west, 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 south, southwest, west, whichever way around you're supposed to say it. Um, so I mean, they're, they're far enough apart for a little bit of variety, but I kind of like that idea. Like, I mean, take them around Le Mans just for the fun, like get Le Mans mixed in one season, drop Paul Ricard, and then. I don't know where else we could go. There's definitely other places, though, isn't there? In France alone, yeah. that you could alternate it's almost, with. It's almost a shame, though, because, like, obviously, I mean, I can't how many years we've been at Paul Ricard now, and it hasn't produced many good races, but it was like mm. last year it actually kind of finally came good. And I actually think these new cars are probably going to suit that circuit pretty well. So it's kind of a shame that just as F1 and that circuit are kind of finding their groove and coming together for it to then lose it. But um, yeah, like I, I don't know, having a French Grand Prix on the calendar just kind of feels right. And maybe that's just because of the year that I grew up watching F1, but it's like, it's one of the classic races, isn't it? As alongside like the British Grand Prix and yeah. the German Grand Prix yeah. and the Italian Grand Prix. I'm, I'm guessing for you, you're probably Manicore. Yeah. In terms of your biggest memories of the French GP? Yes. I don't know if it definitely... Well, obviously, th this era as well, this rendition, but I was meaning sort of in the past where you were saying that you remember yeah. him. Because Manicor is probably the one I remember the most um, in terms of a French GP, I think. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to see circuits like that come back. Well, it would have been like F1 
F197 on the N64, I think it was. I used to <laughs> drive laps. Of that. Oh, yeah, and that was yeah. the game. Where, 97 and 98. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but there was a gap in the tyre wall um, at the hairpin mm-hmm. at the end of the first yes. sector. So in qualifying, you could just go through the gap in the in the tyre wall, emerge two corners from the end and do like a 20-odd second lap. In, I mean, this is getting really off tangent, but in Formula 1 98, when Hockenheim was the old Hockenheim, where it still went out into the woods, um, but yeah. instead of just the long straight, they, had, they put the chicanes in to sort of slow it down through that back sector. In... F198, you used to be able to just basically go straight on like the chicane and fly <laughs> yeah. because it dropped a little bit. You could like fly straight across the gravel trap, overtake about six cars that were all trying to do the chicane, and there was no penalty. So you could just like bomb straight through it. So my memories of Hockenheim on Formula 198 specifically there. Remember it well. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, get, I think. The, the, it sounds like a lot of decisions are going to get made sort of in the next month or two so I guess we'll see but like there just seems to be such a queue of places wanting races these days it's hard to see the French Grand Prix keeping its spot honestly yeah it's um, it, it doesn't bring sadly as much to the table as other places do does it Um no. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was gone, um, but I'd be disappointed that there was no French race. Um, Mm -hmm. And whilst we've been talking about this, by the way, I thought I'd just do some fact-checking before our German listeners just destroyed me and Mm -hmm. Nürburgring and Nürburgring and Hockenheim are only like two and a half hours apart. Um, oh really so so they're both like sort of west to southwest germany like frankfurt i always think frankfurt and stuttgart are the major cities for hockenheim like they're where i am to fly to when i've been out there and i was sort of thinking where would i fly to for nurburgring it's basically frankfurt or cologne it's like (laughs) between the next two cities up the west border of germany so we need more variety in germany too my geogesser skills have failed me i mean we need germany in general don't we actually well yeah Sad. Um, and then last bit of, well, it's kind of a bit of double news um, around McLaren's Formula E entry. Uh, they've revealed their livery for their debut season, which starts the end of this year. It's sort of December their season normally start. Um, yeah. If you've seen a McLaren Formula One car or IndyCar recently, you'll basically know what the Formula E car looks like. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, it's got some unfortunate sponsors, but isn't that? Formula One. Um, they also confirmed at the same time that Stoffel van Dorn and Nick de Vries, who are the current Mercedes drivers, which is the team McLaren are taking over, won't be staying with the team. Um, I think van Dorn's already got a deal with, might be Penske, I think he's supposed to already have a deal with in Formula E. Um, Nick de Vries, obviously, there's a lot of F1 rumors around him. We'll see where he ends up. Um, then McLaren sort of did one of the weirder driver announcements I've ever seen. They they basically announced that Felix Rosenquist is going to be staying a McLaren driver, but then stopped short of saying what he's going to be driving. Um, yeah. Because they're, ex- they're expanding their Indy cars, because he's currently an Indy car driver for them, and they're expanding their team to three cars next year. Uh, Pato Awards stay in. They've signed Alex Rossi. 
and then the third seat's kind of still up for grabs and a lot of drivers have been linked to that. Um, it's looking increasingly likely that Rose and Chris are going to be coming back to Formula E, which I'm not mad about. I, I really like him as a driver. He had some some real success with Mahindra he drove for before. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see who else McLaren go with. Um, I know we talked about um, Oliver Turvey as being an option in the past, so... Yeah, I mean, they're basically taking over one of, if not the current best Formula E team. So, be good to see how, how they get on there. It's definitely a good place for them to start. I mean, we touched on it a little bit, I think, when they first announced they were going to be doing it, didn't they? Um, so, I'm sli- slightly disappointed neither of the drivers will be staying there, but it also doesn't surprise me. And if Felix does go back then that i see that as a positive at least anyway because there's a wealth of knowledge from his previous time there that um yeah they can tap into even though the cars are different that existing knowledge of racing in that electric formula is probably going to be quite invaluable to them yeah it's a very unique kind of race driving isn't it formula e so yeah definitely uh and that's about it for news this week um, it's one of those weird in-between race weeks where not a whole lot has happened. Peaks and troughs. Peaks mm. and troughs. Um, on that note, I think we should move into Silverstone itself, the British Grand Prix weekend. Um, a highly charged event last season. <laughs> many still mm. reference it for many reasons. Um, so... That is not a storyline we will be talking about. I just want to trigger some people. Moving on, storylines. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, how close to Red Bull and Ferrari do we think Mercedes are now going to be on a track that in theory suits their car better and in theory is much less bumpy than previous circuits we've been to, thus hopefully allowing them to unlock a little more of that potential that's in the car. Yep, pretty big upgrades as well, supposed to be coming from Mercedes. Um, yes, that's, I mean, that's just a, a part of it, isn't it? Yeah. Still um, a lot going can, on for them. I think we'll see one of them on the podium, um, especially given sort of how patchy the Red Bull and Ferrari performances have been this season. Like, it's, I, has there been a race where we've not, lost at least one of the top four like this season it feels like at least one of them seems to drop out every week so yeah i can see i can see mercedes picking up a podium yeah i i can definitely see a podium coming out of it i think for for the exact same reasons as what you're saying there that the top four never really finish as the top four um (laughs) so there's definitely something to be said for that I think George's consistency is a major positive for them, along with, you know, hopefully like a bit of a perfect storm of home race for him and Lewis, the upgrades, the the circuit may be suiting them better. So I think there's definitely a better chance than usual where you could see them ending up there a little bit more on merit than usual, I guess. But there's, there's still a big deficit to the other teams, isn't there? They've got to make up and they're not just going to overturn that in a single weekend, even if everything does go perfectly to plan. It's like 
a, I mean, a third a third place on that podium for them to me is like a win at the minute. That, that's a victory in itself, isn't it? Yeah. Getting to the podium. Yeah, like I think they're more likely to kind of cement their position as third fastest than they, you know, to actually get in amongst the the top two teams. But you never know. Yeah. Um, I mean, as Paul just said in the chat, Lewis has got one of his many records is that he's never gone more than 10 races without a win. And if he doesn't win this race, he will lose that record. But like, I mean, would you put like, he's, he's won a race in every season he's competed in. Like I still wouldn't put it past him nicking a win somehow this year. I mean, if everything aligned, there's, there's definitely potential in the car. I mean, they sat fourth and sixth in the, in the, championship overall based purely on the fact that the cars ahead of them aren't quite finishing <laughs> races most of the time um i try i was just trying to do like a little bit of a a sort of fact check so to speak on what you were saying before and there is definitely races where they've all finished but from skimming through it i can only see one where they finished one, two, three, four, and that was okay. um, that was Saudi Arabia. Max won, Leclerc second, Sainz third, Perez fourth. That's the only one as I skimmed through Which it. Is... Oh no, no, sorry, I apologise. Miami as well, um, in the exact same order. Weirdly enough, as well. <laughs> Which is weird. But then, you had to pick any yeah. track where like something crazy went on and cars dropped out. Saudi Arabia would probably be the one you'd pick, but yeah, I suppose technically Monaco is actually a one, two, three, four as well. I've just seen that. But he's just Leclerc wasn't on the podium. Rubbish. Well, three out of nine races, yeah. so a third of the time they're finishing in, as the top four outright, which is a much lower batting average than you'd expect from two teams of their caliber, I think. It is. Especially when the majority of times that they've not finished there have either been major driver mistakes or complete like car failures to some degree in retirements. It's not yeah. like it's not like it's somebody out running them on pace or something. Like they've just they've just outright DNF'd in some description, realistically. Not quite every single one of those occasions has been an outright DNF yeah. that's caused it, but it's pretty close. So, yeah. I, I like looking at stuff like that, little tidbits of mm -hmm. of stat that you can kind of basically gleam nothing from because you just send yourself around in circles of proving nothing. <laughs> and then it all goes wrong on the race weekend anyway. <laughs> anyway, I'll move on to the next storyline. So... Is anyone going to be moving around due to the upgrades? We've got Alpine and Aston Martin both looking like they've got big updates planned. We've kind of touched on the Mercedes plans as well. Is it going to shuffle I mean, up any orders anywhere? Like, are we going to see any big differences? Aston Martin have as good as said, like, the success or failure of this upgrade will kind of dictate how the rest of their season goes. Like, this is the big, big one for them, so... It's going to be interesting to see exactly how that plays out for them. Um, I mean, Alpine have been like creeping up the order from the beginning of the season up to now anyway. So the fact that they've still got a big upgrade on the way bodes well for them. Um, I mean, safe to say that 
at least in the last few races, I think Alpine have probably on pace been ahead of McLaren, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, 100%. So, McLaren is still struggling to fully understand their car, I think. Yeah. So. Um, and obviously Aston Martin really needs some more pace. I don't know if anyone else has absolutely confirmed. I think Haas have said they definitely aren't bringing anything this race. Their upgrade package is going to be a bit later on, but I'm not sure about everyone else. Yeah, I think the thing with McLaren that is, I guess, disappointing for me mainly as a McLaren fan is the fact that there's a lot of... Um, it's not even... Like, with Mercedes, there appears to be like some head scratching of can we get this right without having to compromise <laughs> what we've what we've tried to build. Whereas at McLaren, it seems more like it's a uh, well when we are getting results, it's just look, it's proving nothing. We're not getting anywhere. Might as well look at next season. And it, it, it's that, like their attitude feels a little bit defeatist at the minute, um, and it's a bit sad to see. But I think the problem with that attitude, specifically for McLaren, more more than just my disappointment as a fan, is that you know Alpine are going to cement themselves as being faster than them, and probably jump them in the championship sometime in the very near future. They're only seven or eight points, I think it is behind them. Not far behind them, anyway. Like that. Yeah, you've got Alpha, which on its given day seems to have some pace. Like Bottas has had good results with it. And then so has uh Yu now. He sort of seems to have found some pace that the team appeared to do their very best to hinder in recent weeks. <laughs> I think it was was it Azerbaijan where he really, where or was it Oh no, he had to retire in Azerbaijan, didn't he? Yeah. And Bottas just struggled with pace. And then Canada, I think he ended up with points like despite the team like nearly doing him out of them. Um so I mean Seb's getting the Aston in the points. So th- there's a lot of like worries for McLaren there, I think. And I've not even mentioned Alpha yeah. Tower in their sandwich in amongst all that. So and they've looked like al- although points wise they are pretty dire this season, like pace wise, they're like right up there. They've just had a lot of bad luck, a lot of technical issues, but that if they can get that car to the finish line, it's got good pace in it. So yeah, McLaren could very quickly tumble quite a way down if they're not careful. Yeah. It's probably what they want. They're just vying for wind tunnel time next season. <laughs> well, they've got, they're building their I mean, own new wind tunnel, aren't they? So it's like they want to get as much use they out want of their to use new it. wind tunnel as they can. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, an interest, it's an interesting philosophy. Like, let's just tank this season. <laughs> it, it just reminds me of when, I mean, anyone that watches American sports and understands the draft concept will totally get where I'm going with this. But it reminds me of like when a hockey team or an NFL team are just like, you know what, screw this season, we're just going to tank it and we're just going to get the number one draft pick. And then they trade away all their good players to get more draft picks. And it's like, we're rebuilding the team, guys. It's like, okay. <laughs> it just it just like instantly reminds me of that kind of attitude. Don't know why. But, the nuclear yeah. option. Yeah, it basically. Um, okay, what else have we got? Uh, we have got Leclerc. Can Leclerc stop... What is essentially a rot. I was going to say stop the rot, but that is what it is. Like the swing is getting out of out of his reach almost. Like you've got Verstappen now, who has won five of the last six. His teammate won the other one of those six. 
his teammate has been on the podium behind him in second on three of those last six. Like, Leclerc has to turn the tables quickly or it's going yeah. to start slipping away from him. But are he and the car up to the task? It's been such a big swinging point so quickly. Um, and yeah, he, he really needs to, at the very least, slow it down. Um, but ideally, he needs to be winning and closing that gap again because it's, yeah, it's not like he's getting insurmountable. Like, it's still a, a, still a lot of races left, but the, like the way Verstappen's driving, the way that Red Bull's performing, if it keeps going the way it is, it's going to be game over, at least in theory, if not mathematically, sooner rather than later. I mean, to put it in perspective of those terms, Leclerc's had one podium in that entire six-race span, and he was second in, well, he's second in Miami. He's retired twice, and he's had a, then a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. So, uh, yeah, that's got to turn around fairly quickly. He has To, to really put it in perspective for you, he hasn't won since Australia. And I think along... Think how long yeah. that feels ago. It really since does. That happened. And Verstappen's not been off the podium since the retirement in Australia. Most of them being wins, the vast majority being wins. So, yeah, it's if if Ferrari and specifically Charles Leclerc, I think, want to surmount a challenge, it needs to happen. It needs to be in motion before the summer break, I think. They do not want to be coming back from that summer break with less than half the season to go and it being what it is now, which is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they need two wins and Max not finishing the race. Like the tw- they, Sorry, they're not 50 points behind, they're 49 points behind. But for all intents and purposes, that's two straight wins without a response from Verstappen. Yeah. Just to get back on level terms. And we all know that, yes, those things can happen. You know, misfortune can hit one driver, but you can't be relying on that situation, can you? You've got to be bringing on the results yourself. No, at the absolute minimum, they need to, like, pick up a win or two and get some momentum before the summer break. Because if they... Yeah, if if he keeps slipping before then, there's just going to be no momentum with the team and it's going to... Well, yeah, just keep spiralling, I think. Here, here's a question for you then, I guess. Mm-hmm. We've got four events before the summer break. We've got Silverstone this weekend, we've got Austria, we've got France, and we've got Hungary. Um, am I right in saying Austria's the only sprint race out of those? Is that right? I'm trying to remember what th- has been agreed and what think hasn't. that's correct, yes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy for the Discord to correct me on that because I'm sure they will. <laughs> but in those events, where do you see the Ferrari and specifically Leclerc beating both Red Bulls? Where do you see that happening out of those four races? Because um... I don't see it happening in France, personally. I don't know why, but I just don't. 
No, France. I think Silverstone's probably a Red Bull circuit. France, I would probably lean towards Red Bull, but less so. Austria and Hungary are probably going to be better hunting ground for Ferrari. But then yeah. I can't see you know, the team, all... the team itself of Red Bull or Max really wanting to give any quarter in Austria, though. It's, I, it's kind I, of like I'm not. Um, I'm not saying they're unbeatable there, but I'm saying it's difficult for them, isn't it? It's going to be difficult yeah, for Ferrari like, um, and Leclerc to to make an impact there. Like Hamilton in a good car at Silverstone, there's just that extra little bit of something that makes him near unbeatable. And I think Red Bull, yeah. Verstappen at the Red Bull ring, is the same kind of vibe. Yeah, um, And I I'd imagine agree. it will be similar as Zandvoort as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically we're saying that there's one, possibly two <laughs> yeah. races that Ferrari have a chance in four to start clawing that gap back. That's not good prospects for Ferrari. <laughs> I mean, I genuinely hope I'm wrong. This is not me saying yeah, me this is what is going to happen. This is what we want to happen. Far from it. Like, I don't want this title being decided <laughs> as we're coming out of the summer break before we've even gone back to flyaways. Like, I don't want us to be coming to the end of the European leg and be saying, well, that's that's this, that's this season done. Because I've, I've always yeah. hated that about, like, when races used to be decided in and before America, it was mm-hmm. it was just frustrating. And that's like with usually three or four races to go. So, yeah, we want this to go yeah, into the wire. Uh, yeah, interesting. I'm I'm intrigued that we both sort of think the same thing. Essentially, of their only realistic chance in theory is Hungary. So, it must mean something, right? Or we're just equally wrong. <laughs> Which uh, do you know what I'm gl- I'm glad nobody likes snippets us and quotes as as like I'm, like <laughs> we're not big enough to make headlines because that'd be the headline is Ferrari's only chance to win this season is Hungary. That's what they go for. Tweeting back at us. <laughs> tweeting yeah. our own quotes at us. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're saying. And I'm like, yeah, and your point. I predicted a I predicted a flipping Charles Leclerc championship win, if I remember rightly. That's gone down the swanny. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Uh, I said predictions. That's maybe a good thing to move on to next, isn't it? I we've think. Padded for long enough. We've padded with those storylines. We've done it. So, it's time for Prediction Corner. As always, it is brought to you by Grid Rival. More on Grid Rival in a minute, but we'll talk predictions first. So. If you've not been part of the show before and listened to this nonsense and you've not been involved in predictions before, maybe you've listened to the show but not really been involved with predictions, you just need a reminder, head to backofthegrid.com. There's all the rules there. You can register. You can show us how wrong we always are. In the meantime, Chris and I are going to whiz through um, a fastest qualifier, uh, the winner of the race, the first DNF, the number of finishes, and then we'll draw a random driver. Um and we'll give you our predictions for you to all mock and do better than us with hmm. uh, this week. So, Chris, who do you think is claiming the fastest in Q3 on uh, this weekend? I think I think it's Leclerc. You think he's... <laughs> after all that... 
<laughs> which which circuits do we think everybody uh, look has got the best chance at? Well, it's definitely not Silverstone, but it'll be on pole. <laughs> well, I mean, sorry, we, well. that's incorrect. We we added for those news of predictions. This is not about <laughs> predicting who will be on pole. This is about predicting who will be fastest in Q three before any penalties. Terms and conditions apply. Please check the rules at backofthegrid.com. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. I, this is like one of those head heart things. I really want it to be Leclerc. I want the fight, but he's good. He's good at Silverstone as well. Like he's got a decent <sighs> record there. He's very nearly won it. I last mean, year. yeah, he was doing all right, wasn't he? Until Hamilton came up and just destroyed him with the car. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, no, I'm gonna have to. Do it. I'm gonna have to say Max. I'm gonna have to say Verstappen. I just, I can't. No, I feel like if I feel like if I said like a heart kind of thing, and was like George Russell or something stupid <laughs> like that, he's just gonna oh, bite me imagine. in the rear end. So imagine. Um, yeah, I'd lose my mind if that was fact. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, next one, the winner of the race. I will go first since I made you go first last time. I'm going to be really boring and just go for a straight double and save Verstappen. The race pace of the Red mm -hmm. Bull is very good. I think it's probably too much for Ferrari at the minute on, on a circuit like this, so I'm sticking with Verstappen for the win. Yeah, as much as it pains me because I want to see this championship be a bit closer than it is, I kind of have to agree with you there. Okay, so that's a Verstappen from both of us. First DNF. Where are you going with this one, Chris? Hmm. Where to go? Let's go for... Uh, I'm going like a mid-pack coming together on lap one. Bottas, maybe? Let's go Bottas. Interesting. I'm gonna get myself blacklisted by Paul and Roxy and everyone else in the Discord that wears that orange name colour. But there's logic, oh, obviously. There's like, do you know? You know what I'm gonna say. I mean, you might as well say it for me. Go on. What am I gonna say, Chris? I mean, neither's good. Are you going Lando? I'm going Lando. I'm going Norris. I'm going home <sighs> race. Oh, I say that. I say that as a man who recently painted all his eye racing cars neon yellow and dark blue in tribute to our boy. But it's home race. It's 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 doomed. <laughs> it's doomed. They're not having a brilliant season as it is, and it's his home race. It's it's just a doomed event. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Number of finishes. <laughs> uh, moving swiftly on. Number of finishes. 17. Serves me well most of the time. I'm going for it. 17. How about you? Based on recent races, I'll go, I'll go one less. 16. Okay. I can understand that logic. And can you draw us the random driver for this week, please, Chris? Random driver this week. 
Uh, oh, we've already mentioned him. It's Joe. Ooh. Ooh. A driver on the up, actually. He's a... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. I, fe- I feel like he had an okay drive here the year we watched him in F2. I it was a bit... I think I'm right. He won one of the races, I, I think. If I remember right. Yeah. I think he did. And then I think he made a few decent... I think he won maybe the first race and then had to do a bit of a progression back towards the front and got somewhere near the front for the second. Yeah. I can't remember. I just remember watching him go past and thinking, he's having a good drive today. He's having a good drive, is all Guan Yu Zhou. Zhou Guan Yu, sorry. Um, oh, it's this difficult. I'm doing... Do you know what? Stu's not even here and we're still stalling over this. It's just um, me doing right. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for it while you're faffing. Then I'm gonna say tenth. Okay. Ugh, makes it so much more difficult now that there's a thing. Uh, ninth. Ninth. Oof, both in the points. Yeah. I think the car's okay. Providing the car works, he's gonna score points. I think. Hmm, so, I think so yes, well. that that. That is predictions. Um, you out there as the listener and general participant, you have much more opportunity to submit yours and think about it than we do. You don't get put on the spot. Oh, hi, Milo. Uh, <laughs> Milo was excited by the fact that he gets to make his own predictions in due course. <laughs> I just completely like, derailed my train of thought there. Um, so... Yeah, go to the backofthegrid.com website and sign up, do predictions. You have until Q1 starts. That's where I was going before you rudely interrupted me. Um, So, yeah, take advantage of the practice sessions, learn what you can, then make your predictions if you see fit. If you fancy a challenge, do it the way we do it. Go do it now. That's up to you. Um, And while you're on the website, please make sure you go to our, specifically our grid rival Fantasy League and join that because that's always fun. But also there is the official F1 Fantasy League if you'd like to join in with that as well. Links to both are on there in the fantasy section. So enjoy. Um, I've seen a nice little uptick in <laughs> grid rival participation since how we chat about it in the Discord a bit more now. Just make sure you make sure you renew your contracts. That's the important. There's the most important thing in grid rival. Renew I your contracts so often. If a driver. If a driver has expired, renew, renew, renew. I've started setting myself a reminder. Just uh, seriously, I've started setting myself a reminder on my phone (laughs) for who who is about to expire and who I anticipate I would like to replace them with. So I sort of look at it and I think, right, okay, I'm putting so-and-so in my team. They're worth X going to do three races because I'll see them being okay at the next three races and then I've started setting myself a reminder that says okay when that con- that contract is over go put so and so in beca- for two races because it's this race and this race I'm legit taking this seriously now I had one week where I've, I've completely forgot to get there in time literally the cars went through the light at Q1 and I went <laughs> no I didn't say it and I had like one driver and it was someone like science who just binned it in a gravel trap this early in the season. <laughs> but yeah, 
it was it was not a good weekend for me, and I've learned my lesson since then. I need to take a leaf out of your book. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, right. That being said, should we um, should we do some inbox? Should we should we chat about what people want us to chat about and answer some questions? Let's do it. it is <laughs> keep me saying now. Stay, stay do you want to go first? I can go first. Uh, Wes is first this week. Williams is expected to bring a pretty good set of upgrades to their car soon. Will we see those this weekend? And does Williams have the resources to develop upgrades to move them forward? I haven't seen any news hmm. on whether they are or are not bringing upgrades this weekend, if I'm honest. Um, no, I've not seen any specifics. Um, I've seen probably similar rumors i think um that there is stuff coming it's just a case of when britain's a little bit like one of those sort of similar to catalonia where you do expect teams to make more significant updates at that point just because of proximity for most teams like catalonia's a known quantity of circuit because we've already been there in pre-season testing silverstone is again a fairly known quantity plus logistically relevant. Like a lot of the British based teams do filming days at Silverstone. Like how often do you see a car running around in wets for a filming day? And it's at Silverstone. Yes. So, Cause it's always raining here. If you didn't realize um, that. <laughs> what, um, so, what Williams have said is that they, they kind of understand the fundamental weakness with their car now and they have been working on an upgrade to fix that for some time. Um, that's Sloven said when it's coming, but at the very least, they sort of know the direction they need to be going in. If I'm completely honest, though, I can't see Williams making that much progress for the rest of this year. I think, I think what Williams as a team are doing is far more of a, a long-term project. Um, you know, they, they're going to be hopefully showing gains over the next few years and moving up the order, but it's definitely not like a overnight, they're faster kind of thing. Yeah, I think... Um, I think it's a... There's no magic pill in Formula 1, is there? There, ne there never is, there yeah. never will be. Don't get me wrong, you can you can get onto like a winning concept or a winning idea such as I, I I hate to always reference this but it's like it's it's just my sort of it's my rose but it's my it's my one thing um it's the double diffuser of like brawn or whatever you turn up with something that's just fundamentally like the best idea anyone's had by a long way but eventually everyone catches you up anyway so like even if you have one of those ideas it doesn't just suddenly like win you a championship. They had to they had to fight for that towards the end of the season, and they weren't picking up wins like they were at the start of the season. And it works the same the other way around. There's no like one magic thing that you can just put on a car and it's suddenly fast. Like look at Aston Martin, completely changed philosophy. Yes, it's gained them time, but they're not suddenly as fast as the Red Bull that they've tried to imitate yeah. in areas allegedly. So it, it, you know, it, it's a slow allegedly. process, and I think. Yeah. I'm being careful with my words, just in case those people do start <laughs> quoting us and, and tweeting out about us. Um, 
but yeah, like Williams, are, I think moving forward, having Albon is probably a good thing if they can keep that relationship, you know, keep that going, um, and either get him permanently from Red Bull or, you know, keep whatever the sweetener is that gets them on him on loan or however it works. I don't even know. So yes, there's a lot of potential. Yes, I can see them making some updates this season, but I don't see them being like a a top of the midfield team until another season or two of this like development and learning and improving and then rebuilding the team and stuff since the change of ownership, sadly. Be a little while yet till they're in that kind of position, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And after that rant, I'll read Paper Camera's question. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a good chunk of the season. Do you like the new cars? Uh, will there be more over- overtaking at Silverstone? Don't know if that means in reference to previous seasons at Silverstone or the rest of the season in general. I'm not sure exactly what that's in context to. But I mean, I feel like Silverstone was maybe one of the few places where you weren't that compromised by the old cars, maybe. Apart from maybe through Maggots and... At least Maggots and Beckett, you probably were in that sort yeah. of sweeping complex. You had to like drop back. But I think the rest of the circuit, you probably weren't too hampered because you've got a lot of slow speed corners where it's not as much of an issue accompanied with like longish straights to get yourself in position. So I think overall, the racing will be probably, a, well, I hope a little bit better, but not a huge amount different because we've always had decent racing at Silverstone, I feel. I'm at, I could be being really biased. I'm waiting to be called out as being really biased there, but I, I do feel like generally we get decent racing even when the cars have struggled in particular situations to follow each other or get in position to overtake. Yeah, definitely with the current layout. The, the old Silverstone was pretty poor for racing, but... um they the redesign they did made a big difference um and yeah I'm, I'm excited to see these cars going around there like like you say like sections like maggots and beckett's and cops like traditionally have strong cars out but if they can just get that bit closer like the hangar straight could be pretty pretty spicy with these new cars yeah that's that'll be interesting for definite uh next question from mcchecko what are your thoughts on the Yuri Vips incident? And do you think the punishment fits the crime, bearing in mind his age and potential for educational rehabilitation? So I guess for context, for anyone who doesn't know, um, the the short version is he um, used a racial slur while streaming Call of Duty with... Um, was it Liam Lawson, I think, he was doing some online streaming with? Yeah, um, well... It was it was technically Liam Lawson streaming, I believe, is the yeah. But it's re- I mean, it's, re- it's redundant whose stream it was. It was still said yeah. by him at that time. So. Um, yeah, so Red Bull had like an internal investigation. They've announced today that they are dropping him. The wording of the Red Bull statement was that they were dropping him as a test and reserve driver, but most media seem to understand that that they're dropping him as a Red Bull sort of his entire association because obviously he's a red bull junior um we haven't heard yet from high tech his formula two team but obviously we'll need to hear something in the next couple of days because he's due to racing this weekend um 
it's it's a like it's a difficult one. Um, I think as much as I I, I get the argument for like people make mistakes and education and whatever like he's also 21 like if you don't i i would argue that 21 is too old to be making pretty awful mistakes like that and like uh, i think like i think the, being the, the, the public old... public eye as well doesn't help like exactly yeah like he there's there's got to be some form of media and PR training and stuff that goes into here's how to behave whenever you're in the public eye, like, and that that's the thing that's really I guess sad about it more than anything is the fact that you know if that's what he's like when he knows there's people watching him, it, it gives exactly, you that horrible yeah. feeling of like what's he like when they're not, and I think that's the yeah, sad like, bit of it. There's always the argument of like, oh, you know, that's that's not who I am or whatever. Like, you know, if if that word has just accidentally slipped out, as you say, when you're in the public eye, like that must already be part of your vocabulary mm-hmm. in general. And you know, ultimately, whether you think the he, that crime is deserving of him losing his drive or not, ultimately, being a racing driver, you are in the public eye, and every time you're in the public eye, you're representing your team and yeah there aren't as many employers out there if you were out somewhere representing that company you said something like that you wouldn't lose your job so totally <laughs> I mean, understandable that red bull have gone down that route yeah it's it, it's not specific to him as a racing driver really is it like if anyone was a streamer or anything like that or like was tiktok famous like this social media generation of like you can have thousands upon thousands of followers through social media but run a normal day-to-day life like those actions do have consequences like i've seen people yeah who were supposed to be in like positions of somewhat authority like teachers doctors and so on making comments that they really shouldn't be making generally let alone on social media and then have consequences about it. And it's the same sort of principle, really. It's not about him as a racing driver or anything being made an example of. It's just in general, like it's not really a way anyone should be going around behaving. I think that's the thing to take away from it. It's not like he's been specifically punished because of who he is. He's been punished because of the actions that yeah. he's... Um, He's partaking in it. I don't even know how to word that. I know what I'm trying to say. I'm just doing a poor job of wording it. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's a weird one for me because I've always liked his potential as a race driver. Mm-hmm. So I'm very disheartened by it all because of that. Um, obviously, it doesn't make me want to defend him or anything. But if anything, it makes me more critical of things that where I had defended him in the past. Like, don't know if you remember this, Chris, or not. I think you might, but I'll test you now. It's so it was Macau. It was the stoppage for Sophia Flosch's crash, I believe, when mm-hmm. she broke her back by hitting the guard fencing, uh, the catch fencing. And if you remember during that huge stoppage where they obviously like were getting her out of the car, getting her away for attention, and all that kind of stuff that was going on, they were going up and down the paddock, up and down the, the pits, oh, interviewing yes. all the different drivers. And 
they were talking to whoever I can't remember. This is this, this is how sort of much it stuck in my mind. I don't even remember who they were talking to. It might have been Liam Lawson or, or someone similar, but they were talking to somebody, and essentially over the background, Yuri Vips is like running his mouth, effing and jeffing and giving it the big and and knowing full well that there's a camera in front of him and that he's on TV. Um, I'll and I'll tell it, you exactly it, who they were interviewing at the time. It was it was also. I think when they spoke to him directly, was it not as well? And it was like a, possibly, yeah. it was like a bit of a throwaway. Oops. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize this was live. It's like, doesn't matter if it's live. You're like, you give it, I mean, yeah, it, it's another one of those things. Like I've said this about sort of the room of awkward and stuff. I get that sometimes in quite heated moments, like the room of awkward and, um, maybe in like in the, 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 uh, press pen, like directly after an yeah. incident, we hear F1 drivers and in the car, obviously as well, you get like a bit of a, an F this, or he's an F in this, F in that, whatever. It does happen in the heat of the moment. But when it's like just part of your general day-to-day vocabulary, when you know you're on live TV, like as an argument, I guess, Lewis Hamilton doesn't do his like cinema with Lewis thing on Sky Sport, the Martin Brundle and go, oh yeah, I effing remember this race. It was effing amazing. <laughs> uh, this, was, this was an effing bleep this bleep rate. Like, it doesn't do that. Like, why is Yuri Vips finding that appropriate? And he's, yeah. he's clearly not learned from incidents like that to get in the situation yeah, exactly. that he's in. And, that's, and he's not adjusted his behaviour. And that, therein lies the problem for me, I think, more yeah. than anything else. And not only has he not learned from it, it's obviously got a lot worse. Oh, he's got worse. Him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm coming with you. Like it's it's a shame because he had did have a lot of potential. It's a shame that he's kind of ruined things for himself this way. But there are also more important things in this world than motor racing. And yep. you know, yeah, and, you know the the news that's knocking around in F1 there today oh. kind of yeah proves that without going down mm-hmm. that route because yeah, there's people want to give that oxygen to be honest. Yep, yeah, let's not bother with him. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i think it's it's disappointing that he's just not learned from the past and that it has got worse like you yeah. say i think we can kind of probably leave that there and to put, well, to, to put a oh, sort God. of slightly lighter spin on it which i've seen a few people point out imagine losing your job over call of duty well <laughs> yeah exactly he imagine, got angry at call of duty yeah this is what's caused all of this i mean is- there's a reason i've not particularly played that game in many many moons um <laughs> and that is a because it does just naturally make you an angry person but mainly because of the other people around you but two just because it, it's futile it's not worth getting that like like i i'm i'm sure everyone listening to this can work out i get angry i'm an angry person day to day <laughs> but if something winds me up to like the extent where like being killed in an online video game makes me that angry. I stopped playing that video game. Full stop. That's why I don't play video like, games. We, that's why. I'm, that's why my gaming podcast died basically because I'm too angry to be a gamer. But the thing is, like, <laughs> we we both play video games a lot, and we will defend them on most counts. But as soon as it comes to something like Call of Duty, I'm sure we're both like, no, fair enough. Like, that's yeah. just a cesspit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bad culture, sadly, sadly. Uh, right, Simon Molyneux says, can you explain the potential benefits or disadvantages for the leading teams with the technical changes related to all the bouncing and the and the crap dolphins and what exactly they <laughs> actually are? It does literally say crap dolphins, by the way. 
It does. Oh, it doesn't I say, say Paul Simon's, Simon's original question had slightly stronger description of dolphining, so I editorialized that ever so slightly. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> so so maybe, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't say that then. Maybe, maybe Chris did this. Uh-uh. Slight, slight, slightly stronger language, just ever so slightly. Okay. Um, so we don't know right now if the new technical directive we had in before Canada is actually going to be in effect at Silverstone. There's supposedly sort of talks between the teams and FIA that are ongoing, and we don't know yet if they're actually going to enforce the technical directive. Um, so we talked about this last week when you weren't here, Tom. I assume you're kind of roughly up to speed on what this technical directive involves yeah it's um, it's i guess it it's about how it will play out long term isn't it yeah we yes and no there's sort of the long-term element of it but there's the kind of more short-term measuring the bouncing and sort of getting teams to lock in setups and um uh, picking sort of measurement values based on the measurements the FAA take and that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of advantage and disadvantages, like ultimately it will disadvantage the teams that are suffering the most with the bouncing, which is, I mean, well, it's, it's Mercedes, but, uh, you know, they've got less to lose, I suppose. The, the biggest losers potentially from this are Ferrari because, Ferrari yeah. are bouncing a lot, but are also very fast. And if they suddenly start having to compromise their setup to meet this technical directive, um, that could easily be championship over. Like me and Stu were saying this last week, if 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 he does get to that extreme, that could decide the championship. Um, so it's unsurprising that Ferrari are pushing back quite a lot against this. Um, I don't yeah. think anyone really benefits in terms of like that individual teams like performance and speed and stuff, but obviously teams that currently don't have the problem are going to benefit sort of net compared to the other teams. Mm. But the list of teams that don't particularly suffer and won't get impacted is very, very small. Yes. I mean, I would probably say Red Bull, Alpha Towery and Aston Martin, maybe. Yeah, I feel like everybody else I've seen bouncing quite aggressively for the most part. Yeah, at least in some way sometimes. or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I know we've probably talked about it. You guys might have talked about it more when I wasn't here last week. But one thing in particular is obviously there's there's this whole factor of the suspension changes and the wheel changes and and all that stuff that's mm-hmm. th- that's like the I see a lot of people going like what's bouncing what's porpoising what's even the difference and that that is it essentially like the bouncing is coming more from change porpoising is coming from the aero changes and the floor stalling and then causing the car to kind of come back up and then obviously be sucked back down to the ground like that repetition the bouncing is literally coming more from the cars being um, just stiffer and harder. Like if you listen to the driver comments from the last probably three races, so many have been saying like 
it's not just the poor poising of the the aero from the speed. It's he's in the corners where everything's just so stiff and rigid that like a lot of them have said you just can't go near a curb this year because it's just yeah. so jarring when you go near it. And you saw that a lot, particularly in Canada, I think, with the final chicane, just them being absolutely launched by those curbs that, yeah, fair enough, they've always been quite aggressive through there, but it looked bone-rattling, didn't it? It looked horrendous Yeah, this year and, round. And Silverstone's a place with some pretty aggressive curbs as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. it'd be interesting to see how that something plays something to watch out. this weekend. Should have been a storyline. Um, Hindsight. It should have been. <laughs> Bonus storyline. <laughs> uh, next question from Jose. Will Porsche Red Bull be a thing before 2025? Um, so mm. 2026 is when the new engine regs are due to come in. Um, yeah, I guess the question is, do, do they decide to kind of badge up the current... Honda that's already rebadged as a Red Bull as a Porsche. Um, and I'm not sure they will, to be honest. I think from from what Porsche and Audi have been saying, I don't think either of them want to be involved in F1 until they are like, it is them doing it kind of thing. They're not just there to stick a badge on stuff. They're there to to engineer and compete. So I don't think we will. I mean, the interesting thing is I'm pretty sure Red Bull, I don't know how genuine this was, but I'm pretty sure I saw a thing where Red Bull had registered a business they have, officially yes. called Red Bull Powertrains 2026. Yes. I don't know how legit it was or not, but it looked fairly legit from where I was sat when I was looking at it. Um, I haven't bothered to do my due diligence and research. <laughs> I just saw some tweets and it was like, oh, interesting. But yeah, that it seemed legit from what I saw. Yeah, I think that probably is an indicator of they maybe only intend to be doing it until the engine changes, possibly. I don't know. I don't know. I hope we see it. Whether it is 2026 when they change or what, you, teams are going to start working on it before then at least, aren't they? So, oh, for sure. Um, You know, the partnership might get announced a lot before. So I suppose in theory, yes, Porsche Red Bull probably could be a thing before 2025, but it would more be just a formality of, um, we're excited to announce that for the 2026 engine regulations, we were partnered with Porsche. And yeah. that, so we'll know about it, but they're not going to be using them until 2026 is kind of what I'm getting at, I guess. So uh, half yes, half no to Jose's question. Because there's also the... Uh, sticking point of new engine manufacturers get more testing time than existing ones mm -hmm. and there's definitely going to be an argument in the coming years over whether they count or not but that'll be that'll be future controversy we'll discuss i'm sure <laughs> you've got to put your your engine in a standard um like f1 built chassis <laughs> can't be in the team's chassis and it must be driven by Nick Heidfeld. <laughs> yeah. Don't know why I went with Nick Heidfeld of all the drivers out there, he's but good, I was just like... He's a good choice. He's He's got the least bias, but wealth of experience. <laughs> so a really funny tweet from Nick actually the other day 
I think it was the F1 account had tweeted like, who's the greatest driver to have never won a race? And Nick <laughs> yes. Heidfeld replied with Nick Heidfeld, which <laughs> yes. I just found amazing. I'm sure I'm sure yeah, that's okay. what it, the context is. It was along those lines anyway. I just saw the really funny tweet from Nick. So, Nick, if you're listening, we want to interview you. Come talk to us. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Paul says, if you were planning the after-race party for the British GP, who would you book? Oof. Oof. This is in relevance to the um, to the sort of mini festival type stage that they have in the middle of the circuit and have stuff for after. I, I mean, I'm saying this for the benefit of people who probably have no idea what the questions in relevance to. Um, who they've got this year? I don't even know who they've got. I don't know if they've ever had any year. To be brutal honest with you, uh, it's not something I really pay I attention mean- to. I, I probably should know who they had this year. Uh, it's Bastille. Oh, one of the the main oh, yeah, we, this year. Yeah, we should know that between us. Yeah. Oh, For reasons that will remain just quietly in the ether. People can work that out themselves. What? Why, why are we not VIPs to this flipping after party? That's all I'm saying. I'm sending a text message after this show. I'm the after party. That's, that's <laughs> redundant. I want, I want this after party. Uh, I'm sending a text message once this recording's done. I'm telling you, <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I'm definitely not booking Bastille. That's for sure. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Oh, um, Emily's going to be livid that I didn't get tickets this year. Now, I've literally got <laughs> just for the record. I've got Wednesday through Monday off work because I was intending to be at the British GP, but I didn't get tickets. So now I'm just going to sit at home. Feeling sorry for myself for five days playing straight. Playing twenty twenty two. Playing the game instead, yeah. Playing the game, mate. Living my best life. Cans of monster everywhere. Just drinking myself into oblivion with energy drinks and <laughs> crashing into the castle wall like Charles and finding gravel traps like Carlos and I feel like I should insult someone that's not a Ferrari driver at this point. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say. I can't think of anything else to say. That's really annoying. Get yourself a crate of rich energy and drive a Haas. Oh, yes. I'll do it. I'm going on Amazon. I'm going to send a text message to very angrily and then then get get on Amazon for a crate of rich energy. This has got seriously derailed. I'm just going to read oh no wait no i haven't read the next i have read the next question so i don't even know what we're doing anymore who would you book chris who would you book um oh i know what i'll say um watching glastonbury at the weekend um i came to conclusion that one day like this by elbow is the best festival song so i'll say elbow yeah that's a good one oh um the thing is, all the bands I would book are just inappropriate for no one else Silverstone goers. See. No one would like them. No, I'd be being kind of my issue as truly, well. truly selfish. Do you know what? If I wasn't being truly selfish and it, I, it could somehow happen, Fleetwood Mac, just to hear the chain yes, being played at Silverstone. There, there. Easy. That's probably the correct answer. Yeah, that's that's the unselfish answer. Um, right, there's a bonus question here that Tom has dropped in that I didn't see, so let's see what this is. Yeah, uh, so Pingman. For a little bit of, oh, I was just going to say, for a little bit of context, Pingman sent this question 
a little while ago and we sort of said we'd love to answer it but yes weeks have been very busy with like double headers or whatever like episodes get to sort of 90 minutes without us (laughs) detouring like what we're doing tonight (laughs) so in an episode where we're detouring just to get to an hour I think we have time to answer this. It's a shame. Basically, it's a shame Stu isn't here to answer this because it's a question aimed at all three of us. But I think if me and you answer it in as much detail as we both see fit for ourselves, and then maybe on another week like this, we can bring the question back again and get Stu's input. Maybe on one of the weeks when you're not here in July. Yeah, that works. So, yeah. Um, okay. So after all that build up, the question from Pingman is. <laughs> Uh, I know you guys keep the pod focused on track issues, but your perspectives obviously come from your own experiences and understanding what drives your views would improve my enjoyment of your excellent pod. Thank you. Uh, so where are you from? How did you get into motorsport? What do you do? Who are you, Tom? Oh. Tell us about you. Hi, I'm Tom. Um, okay, <laughs> so I'm. if you can't tell, I'm. which, I mean, people outside the UK possibly can't, I'm quite much a born and bred Yorkshire person. Yorkshire is the biggest and best county, may I add, uh, in the United Kingdom. I'm from a town, well, no, a city even, called Sheffield. Amazing city. Um, quite a few famous racing people have come from Sheffield over the course of time. Um, I'm, well, uh, I was going to say Mike Hawthorne, but he's from Mexborough. That's near Sheffield. It's close enough. It counts. It's definitely Yorkshire. Um <laughs> What's the Formula E driver? Oliver... Oliver Turvey? Thank you. He's from Yorkshire, possibly Sheffield. Um, mm-hmm. James Tomlin, whatever his name was, from the Superbikes back in the day. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Those are people from Sheffield. We have a... Man of Motorsport came from Sheffield. Yes. Based in Sheffield. James Tursland, thank you, Paul D in the chat. See, I knew a fellow Sheffielder would get it. Um, right, anyway, I'm from Sheffield. There's lots of motorsport here. I was brought up watching everything with my father and my grandfather, for that matter. Um, touring cars, bikes, uh, Formula One, uh, banger cars. My dad used to drive banger cars when I was very, very, very young, but he stopped after I was born, like... Well, not long after I was born. Um, my dad's always been a mechanic and like been into cars. So I kind of learned through about cars through there. Um, but sadly, never had enough to like go go-karting like all these people that get their entry point into motorsports. So it's always been a bit of a fantasy thing, I guess, for me. That, um, But it's just always been there. And that's kind of how I got to where we are. That I'm just that obsessed with cars that go fast in different forms i just watch just about everything pretty sure everyone in discord can stand a testament to i will watch everything because one week i'm talking about british touring cars and i'm talking about indycar then i'll talk about fe sadly i don't follow anything as closely as i do formula one because there's just so much of it but i do talk about all sorts of rubbish um and even drifting i even sometimes go to the british drift championships here in the uk just because I can sometimes. Um, and then in day-to-day, I do I run a web development company, um, which we build like custom apps for people, well, custom web apps for people. So that's my bread and butter, tech. Hence the Prediction League website. 
<laughs> I made it it. That's why it, that's why it works but doesn't look good cuz I did it <laughs> and I'm a I'm a programmer not a designer. <laughs> so it's functional but with <laughs> very little um style. <laughs> I don't know, do I need to say anything else? McLaren fan long term, I think that's obvious to anyone listens. Being such an avid follower of motorsport, I've said this a number of times, like Lando's the first driver I've really followed through from a junior career to where he is now. So I've got like a really big affinity with that. It's like weird, proud parent vibes, even though he's in his 20s and I'm in my 30s. So like, <laughs> but I've, I've kind of, touring cars being so visible, like, like it is here in the UK, you get the full race weekend broadcast live so you get to watch all the like junior categories and the the lower formulas like british formula ford and formula four and whatever else it's been called so i've I've literally seen him in every single level he's competed at since carts so yeah that coupled with my fandom of mclaren from the mid 90s it's just a given that's it i'm gonna stop now button forever (laughs) um God, follow that. Um, so yeah, so I, I think I probably started watching. Actually, no, probably around the same time as you. Same sort of thing. Like parents watched F one and British touring cars always on TV and stuff. Um, and like I always want to say that ninety seven was the first season I fully watched properly. That actually isn't true. Ninety eight was the first one I watched properly, but I know the ninety seven season really well because weirdly, second time we get to talk about the N sixty four Formula One game. It had a thing that I wish the modern games would do, actually. It had, like, a scenario mode in the game. So you, like, it would have, like, real scenarios that happened during the 97 season. Um, And then you would, like, either try and recreate them or try and, like, get a better result than the real drivers did. It was fantastic. Like, such a cool addition. I can't... I'll rack my brain trying to think of it, but there was another driving game i don't want to yeah. say sims i don't think it was one of the sims but what he did is he like gave you a car in a situation it's like so and so did this in this car at this time like yeah. can you replicate it i don't think it was it definitely wasn't an f1 cool game idea. i can remember but it is a really cool idea i like it um yeah so it was kind of through the games that i like super got into it and then yeah with 98 and 99 being the first scenes watched properly i was a huge hacking and fan which i know is something i share with tom um, yeah. Yes, and I've kind of just watched ever since then. Um, kind of similar to what Tom was saying. Like me and Stuart always joke that like we will watch any two things racing each other. Like we went to the first Formula E race in Battersea Park in London, and like in between sessions, we were like wandering around the infield, and there were just like some people driving remote control cars around the track and we suddenly realized we've been stood there for like mm. 10 minutes watching just remote control cars and remember like what are we doing we're here to watch real cars racing we're just watching little remote control cars um so yeah that's like motorsport side in terms of me so i'm from the midlands which you can probably tell um west bromwich if you want to get specific which people will probably only know for the football team um but i've been down in london for like 10 years now uh my background is in qa i used to work for sega testing things like the total war games and um whilst i do sonic generations did one of the house of the dead games at one point um 
yeah, and from that, I no longer work in like real video games, but I still work in like software development, and I'm in um, project management now, which is as exciting as it sounds. Um, yeah, that's that's me, I guess. Button forever. Also, button forever. Yeah. <laughs> I um, know that. There's, there's a lot of overlap between me and Tom's favorite drivers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Hakkinen's up there. That, that just comes from being a McLaren fan from very young. But yeah, Hack- see, Hakkinen. on the opposite, I'm I'm more of a McLaren fan because of Hakkinen. I think. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. He he could have turned anyone. Excellent driver. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> I know. I know you're chuckling I'm in like. Ha ha ha, there's a seedy joke there. Like, that's not what I meant. I just meant he could have turned anyone into a McLaren fan. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. So that's me and Chris, I guess. Um, We'll get Stu to do this at some point. Um, What is is actually really funny is between the three of us, (laughs) we should should have, like, a really good, like, team of day-to-day. Because Chris is a like a QA person and then has obviously moved into project management. So there's fundamental like fault finding, testing and just like project running and, and whatever. There's there's all that fundamental there with Chris. I'm running a software business and, and like I'm an ex-developer that runs that. So again, like I can make things be built and happen. Chris could test them, and Stu is like a graphic designer essentially by trade, and like does does the video did well did the video editing at F one for a while and all that. Like between us, we have the perfect set of skills. It's just we have no time because as as I'm sure you've all gathered, this is like essentially an amateur hobby for us. Like we don't, it's not a living. Sadly, I mean, I'd love for it to be. I'd love to be an F one journo for full time. But oh, right now, we don't pay my bills. Far more time on this than we're able to. Yeah, yeah. Because sadly, it ends up being like the time that we. The, the, the nice. The, I'll say. I'll say this, and I think I speak for all three of us. Is the nicest thing that's probably come out of it is the whole sort of Patreon Discord thing because it helps us kind of try and do more with the show because of the Patreon sponsorship but then also actually sort of interact with the core people that are like providing that for us and supporting us in that way. And we get to yeah. like chat because we chat about everything all the time. And that's, that's the cool thing. It's like, it becomes about a bit more beyond just formula one and even just motorsport. It's like the whole spectrum. Accidental plug yeah, with I Patreon. Mean, like... <laughs> that was a genuine comment, <laughs> but it sounded like a plug in it. I don't want it to come across that way. Well, like when we we've we've said before, like if we didn't do this podcast, we would still probably have most of these conversations with each other anyway. So, like 100%. the fact that we see it and record it is just like an additional thing. And I think, yeah, like having like community of listeners and uh, Discord people and all of that is kind of feels like an extension of that, which is really nice. Yeah, it's far beyond anything we expected when me and you sat down in 2015 or whatever it was and when <laughs> do you think we should do a podcast about Formula One because we both like it and it was like, yeah, that. why not? <laughs> so Let's watch a Formula yeah. E race and do a test episode. <laughs> yeah, let's do a test episode about Formula E. 
<laughs> that is still out there somewhere in the ether. Has it? Has any right? Yeah. I mean, the really, really, really weird question because it's going to be a re bit redundant to everyone listening back to this. But if you can answer this question via a medium of social media, please do. Has anyone out there heard the original episode that me and Chris did as a pilot about Formula E? Because I'll bet you it's awful. Because I haven't listened back to it in six years. I'm telling you that for a fact. Well, oh, it's not actually been quite six years, has it? Is this like a fifth, fifth though, season like... now? Yeah, it must be. At least. Right. This is this is literally a Patreon plug now. I know the episode exists and I know where it is. <laughs> you can't get it because I've disabled <laughs> it to stop it messing with the episode count. <laughs> I'm going to go dig it out and I'm going to put it on Patreon for all the Patreons to listen to in their own time. So go there if you want that. that I might release it out wider at some point. Ever come up with. <laughs> I bet it's awful. Even I haven't listened to it. I, I really want to know what... What I'd like to know more than anything is how people think we've progressed. Is it better? Because if it's, if, it's, if it's still the same, then we've run into a big problem. <laughs> at, the, at the absolute minimum, the sound quality will have improved. <laughs> yeah, we've got nicer mics now. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. Go join Patreon. Um... If you want to let me know about things, then <laughs> oh Chris, for that matter, oh Stu, if you want to let any of us know about things, I don't know why I sent me. Um, if you want to let us know about things, we are on all the social medias: um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please, please, if you send us a message on Instagram, if we don't respond to it in any way, shape, or form, please feel free to try a different medium. It's not that we ignore people specifically on Instagram. So Instagram has this really weird thing where it hides certain DMs if we don't already follow you and stuff like that. We've not interacted before. So yeah, if you've said if you've ever said anything on Instagram, please try another medium if we've never seen it. We're not ignoring you, I promise. Um <laughs> if you don't do any other social media other than Instagram, head to breakfastgrid.com. There's a contact us form. Just email me directly because this one does come to me, is hello at backofthegrid.com. Send it direct. I don't care. Just send your message. Tell us how you feel, <laughs> good or bad. We want to hear I can accept you. criticism. Yeah, we just want to I just want stuff to read. I just get lonely <laughs> at work. <laughs> I just want to read stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the way. I, I feel like I've just taken this old podcast. I, is it even about F1 anymore at the minute, this episode? This has been one of the more rambly episodes we've done. Yeah. This is why it's not professional like journalism. Had, yeah, we've had so many just like back to back to back to back races and it's just been like, talk about this, talk about that, talk about that. This is like the chillest week there's been pretty much since the season started. So we're a bit yeah. just like, oh, we can just like relax a little bit. We haven't just, got a million bullet points to talk through. Just talk rubbish. So yeah, that that I think I think that's all the rubbish we can talk now, isn't it? I don't think there's anything else. I don't think so. Cool. Right. Well, I've done the done the socials. You can go catch catch on social media. Remember to head to backgrid.com and do your predictions. Remember to hit Grid Rivals up through the link on the website. Um, they do as an awesome honor in sponsoring the Predictions League and everything. You hear it every week, so thank you to them for the the sponsorship um yep. join in with it have fun what we're going to try and do is turn that sponsorship in i'm going to try and turn that sponsorship into like something fun specific with the grid rival 
uh, league. So we can do mini leagues on there. You don't have to go like the full season. So I'm debating, hit me up if you think this is a good idea, but I'm debating like, let's do a little mini league for like, say three races and whoever does the best in those three races, maybe wins a little bit of a prize. How do you all feel about that? If you like that idea, hit me up. Tell us. Tell us, and I'll make it happen. Um, so, yeah, that is it for this week. Please, everyone, go enjoy the Silverstone Grand Prix. Hopefully, it's a good one. We can come back and talk about it next week. Hopefully, without too much controversy and drama. Just actual racing. That's all I ask. Everyone keep it clean. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would indeed. But yeah, enjoy your weekends, everyone, and we will see you next week to review it all. Goodbye. Bye.